What's up, everybody? You are listening to the Early Risers podcast. I'm your host, Skylar Deem, and I am an early riser. I hope you enjoyed part one of the Maximizing Your Energy series. Today, we're going to be diving into part two, and it is going to be on emotional energy. Specifically, I want to cover seven things that are in your life or that might be in your life that are draining your emotional energy and what you can do about it. Now, emotional energy can be defined as a lot of things, but I saw this one definition that really caught my attention, and it's an aliveness of the mind, a happiness of the heart, and a spirit filled with hope. And as early risers, we need emotional energy to thrive. You know, in our life, when we greet other people and we're, when we're around other people and when we just want to feel alive, we need that emotional energy to really be on top. So I mentioned the term early riser. What does that mean? It's not necessarily waking up at 5 a.m. every single morning. To me, all an early riser is is waking up earlier than you have to in order to get some form of uninterrupted personal development in the morning. So if you have to wake up at 9 to go to work, but you wake up at 8 and you perform some sort of morning routine, you're an early riser. And an early riser is more than that. An early riser is someone who is excited about life. It's someone who's ready to wake up in the morning, attack the day, chase their goals, and work on getting better every moment. Before we dive into the show, I would like to share my current obsession. This is a pretty exciting one. It's something I've mentioned before, but it is my Philips wake-up light for sure. I am obsessed with this thing. This is going to be a lifetime obsession of mine. Basically, it's an alarm clock. And 30 minutes before the alarm goes off, it starts to simulate a sunrise. So it's just this huge light. Thing gets crazy bright. It starts off very slowly. And depending on if you're a light sleeper, you know, you're going to wake up during the sunrise process. But if you're a heavy sleeper like me, you're going to wake up and your room's going to be completely bright, which is a game changer. I went back home to my parents the other weekend and I slept there. And I forgot my light, and when I woke up, it was insane how much more difficult it was to get out of bed and to get up and just start the day and start going and feel more awake. So this is a game changer. They are currently about $50 on Amazon. If you're interested, I will include the link in the show notes, which you can find at earlyrisersmovement.com slash podcast slash 13. So my current obsession is my Philips wake-up light. So like I said, today we're going to be covering emotional energy, and there's a really good quote that's just three words that basically sums up this entire podcast, and it's that thoughts become things. You know, the thoughts that we have in our head about whatever subject, they manifest themselves in our physicality, in our life. Your mind creates these thoughts through your nervous system. You know, you see something, you perceive it. And how you perceive that situation and how you process it ultimately leads to how you feel physically and how you feel emotionally. There's another great quote out there about emotional energy. Emotional energy is the precondition for everything that we care about. Everything worth doing that's difficult gets lost without it. Marriages fail when we run out of the emotional energy to reach one more time across the divide of anger and silence. Dreams die when we lack the emotional energy to hang in there in the face of all obstacles. Ultimately, how we process our emotions and how we have the energy around them will dictate our ability to live a successful life, our ability to be patient, our ability to be excited, 
our ability to feel other emotions such as sadness. You know, these are emotions that are important too. If you live a life full of happiness, you're never going to know how happy you are. Because with that sadness, you have a contrast, a comparison of what life actually is. So without further ado, I just want to dive into the seven emotional drains that might be plaguing your life. And I want to give you some recommendations of how you can improve them. So my recommendation while you're listening to this podcast is just apply it to your own life. If you hear one of these emotional drains and you realize that they're affecting your life, just listen up, take notes, apply what you learn into your life pretty much immediately. So the first emotional drain out there is worrying. Things such as worrying and anxiety play such a massive part in draining our emotional energy. As Mark Twain once said, I am an old man and have known a great many troubles, but most of them never happened. You know, when we worry, we create these scenarios in our head that, you know, sometimes, yes, they do happen, but most of the time they don't. And there's no use putting yourself through that worry if you're not going to experience it. It's all about being mindful, about being present and understanding that, you know, these things may happen, but you're just going to take them as they come because there's no use looking forward to and worrying about those things. So a great question to ask yourself if you find yourself worrying about a future situation is can I do something about this? You know, if you get into a conflict with your friend and you're worrying if you guys are going to stay friends or you find that you're lost in a new city and you don't really know where to go, just ask yourself, can I do something about this? And you're going to have two answers based off of that. First one is going to be yes. Yes, I can do something about this. And in that case, perfect, go do it. Even if it's hard, go do it because you're going to feel a lot better. And if the answer is no, that you can't do something about this, why worry? You know, why drain your emotional energy? Why expend that energy worrying about something that you have no control over? It's out of your control. It's either going to happen or even not going to happen. And there's no use spending that energy worrying. So the greatest recommendation is just be mindful. You know, accept your worries. Take them as they come. Be in the moment. And another great practice is to just think of the worst case scenario. You know, this is something that Tim Ferriss talked about is when you get in a situation and you find yourself extremely anxious, take out a piece of paper and write down the absolute worst things that could go on. You know, just as a simple example, say you're at work and you hear chatter that someone's getting fired and you start to be extremely worried about what happens. Okay, what happens if this is me? I'm going to be out in the streets. So you take out a piece of paper and you start to write down worst case scenario. Okay, worst case scenario, I get let go or fired with no pay. So I have savings in my bank that will keep me going for a couple of weeks. That will allow me to find a new job. If I don't have savings in my bank, I have friends and family members that would be able to let me crash at their place. You know, I have an abundance of material things in my life that I can sell that I don't need. I have people there supporting me. I've done a great job at this job. I have high credentials, so other jobs will easily hire me. And, you know, even if they don't, even if you don't get a job for a while, you're going to take it as it comes and you're going to survive. So whenever you get in these new situations where you're really nervous and you don't really know what's going to come next and you're worrying, just again, think of the worst case. See what that does for you. Because a lot of times you're going to write these things down and you're going to see, you know, it 
can't be that bad. It's not going to turn out that bad. Maybe in certain situations, the worst thing that could happen is you just embarrass yourself. And then a week from now, no one's going to remember. So the first emotional drain is worrying. The second emotional drain is guilt. Now, guilt can basically just tear your insides apart. You know, I've experienced it. I'm sure you've experienced it. It's where you do something that you just later regret and you just can't forget it. You know, either you hurt someone, either you made a mistake when you were working, you know, you did something that provoked a negative response on your end and maybe on other people's ends as well. And the best thing you can do when guilt comes around is just do your best to make things right. You know, I've unfortunately had times in my life where I've just made the wrong mistake when it came to friendships. And I've done something that have hurt my friends in pretty bad ways. And instead of just letting that guilt tear me apart for months and years on end, I just, as soon as I could, I went out and I tried to make amends with that person. You know, I apologized. If I could make things right, I did. But the main idea is that you do your best to make things right. Talk things through with people. Figure out what you can do to make things better. And if you get to the point where a person won't accept your apology or where you've ruined a relationship beyond repair or done something that you're not proud of and you really can't figure out a way to fix it, it's time to move on. You know, you can't hold on to these things forever. It goes back to that question I just asked. Can I do something about this? Can I change this feeling? And if you can, absolutely go out and do it. And if you can't, why even worry about it? You know, yes, I'm sure you probably feel bad. I'm sure there's something that you wish you did differently. But you are in the present. And being a realist just means saying to yourself, there's nothing I can do. I just got to move on. So I'm challenging you. If you have any guilt laying over your shoulders of friends or enemies or mistakes or anything, do your best to just make these things right. So the second thing is guilt. The third emotional drain is indecisiveness. Now, this may surprise some people, but when you can't decide about certain situations, it's draining. You know, it's draining to have 10 different colleges that you want to go to and not be able to pick which one. It's even draining when your significant other asks you where you want to go out to eat and you have no idea. And you, you know, you have 10 things on a list and you can't pick from them. It's the indecisiveness that actually takes away from our emotional energy. So there was actually a study done, and it was called the JAM Experiment. And I thought this was really cool. It was conducted by Sheena Iyengar at Stanford. And they basically set up a table in a grocery store, and they had a whole bunch of different types of jams. So on one table, they had 24 different types of jams. And on the other table, they only had six. So at the table where they had 24 types of jam, 60% of people who were walking by stopped to check it out. And on the six, the table of six types of jam, 40% of people stopped. So 20% less, which makes sense. You know, you see a wide variety and you're probably going to be more hooked in, more interested. But the interesting part is that only 3% of people who stopped bought jam from the 24 set of jams while 30% of people bought when there's only six types you know as humans we are wired to just get overwhelmed when we have 
a wide variety of choices. So when we get in these situations of indecisiveness, it's in our best interest to limit the amount of decisions that we have to make. We can either do that through finding a smaller variety, so limiting it down to a smaller set of choices, or we can go with the option of picking what seems reasonable, not what seems best. So we get so caught up in these decisions of we have to make the right choice and there's no other way out, and if we choose the wrong thing, it's basically the end of the world. But if we can take a second, relax, breathe, and just think about what would be reasonable, you know, what would be a good experience... Go with that. If something's going to tear you apart, like going out and picking a wedding ring where you have tons of rings on display, go to a smaller ring store. If something's going to freak you out, like 24 different jams, you know, just pick what seems reasonable. Pick one. If you like it, go with it. Another major reason why people are indecisive is because they just have this overwhelming fear about what other people think about them. That if they choose something and they're firm in their decision, the other person is either going to think less, be offended, or just like them less. But in reality, when people take a stand and when there's some sort of indecisiveness going on and people make a decision, it shows leadership. It's a quality that people can look up to. So I'm challenging you, the next time where a huge decision comes up and people are kind of moseying around and not really picking and being firm, take that stand. Be the one to pick and just suggest something. And based on people's reactions, you know, you might even see their respect for you. You might even see their surprise. And you might even make things easier on the situation. You know, there's the grass is always greener mentality that we always get stuck in. The, well, what if I choose this one, but I miss out on this one. And I, you know, I go to a restaurant and I pick this sandwich, but... Then I look over and I see someone else eating this other sandwich and it just looks amazing and I wish I picked that one. We just got to get out of our own head. You know, the grass isn't always greener. The grass is greener where you water it. And when you take the time to really just choose and be okay with your choices, you're going to limit a lot of that indecisiveness. So number three of the emotional drains is indecisiveness. Number four is overcommitting. Now, this is also a big one that a lot of people get caught up with, not only in the business world, but also in just people's lives who are just too nice and just who can't say no. So the main idea is when you overcommit, you're really pulling yourself too thin. And you get to these situations and you have a meeting in an hour, so you're not present in this one and you're stressing out, freaking out. Everyone sees, everyone knows, and you think your whole life is ruined. The easiest fix for being that overdramatic It's just not to commit as much. You know, set boundaries when it comes to scheduling. Realize that it's okay to say no. And I'd even challenge you to just do it every once in a while, even if you don't have to. You know, if someone invites you out to lunch and you think it'd be a good move as a friend and you have the free time, but you don't really feel like it, just say no. See where it gets you. You know, use opportunities to strengthen that no muscle. And be put in situations where you're not overcommitting, where you have the ability to slow down, take a step back, and really realize that your schedule is your schedule. And there's no need for you to be doing things for other people if you don't have to. And I'm not saying just be a total jerk and just say no. You know, you can say no and then give an explanation. You could say no and suggest something else. 
But just using that no muscle is better than just overcommitting, saying yes to everything, and getting into complex situations where you're really just stressed out. It's important when you enter these situations to separate refusal from rejection. You know, people who are very nice get into these situations and they don't want to say no because they think they're rejecting the other person. But it's not that. It's not that way. You know, I have a huge issue with overcommitting as well. I have a hard time saying no. But when you do say no and you see the effect, like how people still want to be your friend or how you're not going to lose that business opportunity or something, it's pretty freeing. So do your best. Try to implement these things to say no a little more in your life. Don't overcommit too much. So the fourth emotional drain is overcommitting. The fifth emotional drain is holding on to loss. Now this affects a lot of people. Death is a pretty prevalent part of society. You know, it's part of life. And people unfortunately do die. People you love. People who left this planet a lot earlier than... A lot of people expected. And loss is a time to grieve. I'm never going to say, you know, just suck it up, don't grieve. There's times where you just have to cry yourself to sleep. There's times where you just have to cry yourself until you don't have any tears left. But when you can remember what was, and when you can honor that loss, that's when it stops draining you emotionally. You know, there are times to let go. There are times to realize that the people you've lost want you to be happy they want you to continue to have an awesome life so be grateful for the times you had cry all your tears and then go out and really just embrace life and be grateful so number five is holding on to loss number six and a pretty big one especially in today's society is negativity And plain and simple, negativity basically means you become what you think about. When you're negative all the time, when you're finding the bad in every situation, when you have that grass is greener on the other side mentality, you really just tear apart your life. You know, these emotions, these negative emotions are what you begin to focus on, what you begin to become adjusted to, and they can overwhelm your life. You know, if you're not that negative person, I'm sure you've met a person who just always has something to complain about. If you ask, how is your day? You can expect minutes, 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 and minutes of just complaining, negativity, and just emotional draining conversation. So the main advice I can give you to combat negativity in your life is to just try to access positive emotions throughout the day. So work that gratitude muscle, work the positivity muscle. Robert A. Emmons, who's a leading gratitude researcher, has conducted a ton of studies, and they all found that gratitude increases happiness and decreases depression. So when you take the time to sit down and physically write out things you're grateful for, as opposed to just thinking about them once or twice a day, when you take that time, when you take five to ten minutes to write things down, to brainstorm things you're grateful for, to use situations where something may have not gone your way to find the silver lining, you begin to build that gratitude in your life. And you begin to find that in certain situations, you're going to gravitate towards the more grateful emotional state rather than the negativity that's going to fester in a lot of other people. If you have never heard of Jocko Willink, he is a famous former retired U.S. Navy SEAL. He has a podcast, a book. He's an awesome guy. He has this 
technique and practice where whenever someone comes to him with something stressful or something negative or whenever he experiences something negative, all he responds with is the word good. And basically when he says good, he has the opportunity to search through that situation and find the good that comes out of it. You know, while he was in the SEALs, if they didn't get a shipment of new high-tech equipment in time for a mission or something, good. It was their time to practice with the old stuff, to refine their skills. Didn't get promoted at your job? Good. More time to refine the skills that you have. Got injured at the gym? Good. You needed a break. You needed rest. There is an amazing video, and edit of this little speech he gave on his podcast that I will definitely include in the show notes. The first time I saw it, I was hyped up. I was ready to run through a wall. But when you watch it, you will feel the same and definitely hit me up if you do watch it because you know I want to hear what you think. But basically try to respond to these negative situations with this positivity and just let the light of that positivity drown out the darkness of the negativity. The simple formula to life is E plus R equals O, meaning event plus response equals the outcome. And if you have an event and you have a positive response, you will have a positive outcome. If you have an event and you have a negative response, even if the event isn't negative, you're going to have a negative outcome. Do what you can in your life to really promote this positivity, to really drown out the negativity. And if you do this and if you implement these gratitude exercises until your daily routine, you're going to see amazing changes in your life. You're going to see amazing switches in your ability to be positive, in your ability to just get out there and be happy, be thankful, and just have more emotional energy in general. So the sixth emotional drain is negativity. And the seventh emotional drain happens to be your fellow human beings. You know, a lot of the time... Other people are a huge cause of emotional draining. People who are overly negative. People who always point out the bad things in life. People who provoke negative responses from you. You know, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And if you are surrounding yourself with negative people... They are going to zap the living emotional energy out of you. There's something called emotional contagion, which basically means other people's emotions are contagious. And if someone's upset around you, you're more likely to be upset. If someone's happy around you, you're more likely to be happy. And when we keep these people around us that are negative, are sad, are always just pointing out the bad in the situation, that affects us. That's why your inner circle is so, so, so important. And in life, you know, you can't obviously avoid all negative people. They're going to pop up at random times. You know, maybe they're a part of your family. Maybe you meet up with an old friend and they're negative. Maybe you're with a coworker that you're obligated to work with. There's times where you're forced to be around these people. But in these situations, it's your job to be the light. To bring the positivity to the situation. To bring the energy that will hopefully overpower their negativity. So what I'd say to you is when you can choose the people you spend your time with, make sure you evaluate who it is. You know, maybe you are spending a lot of time with a negative coworker and you don't have a lot of time to spend with other people. 
But it's not just the people who we come face to face with and connect with physically. You know, when people say you are an average of the five people you spend the most time with, that includes people you're watching on YouTube, listening to on podcasts. That includes people that you are just exposing yourself to their information often. I have a couple podcasts that I listen to pretty much on a daily basis, and I would consider those people part of my inner circle because, you know, I do learn a lot from them. I do hear them a lot, and I am surrounded by their voices and their information that they're spreading a lot as well. There have been a ton of studies, and basically low-quality social ties have been associated with inflammatory biomarkers and impaired immune function. So not only are these things bad for your emotional energy, but they're bad for your physical health as well. You know, these are things in your life that you need to fix. You need to really evaluate. And one of the big excuses that I have heard a lot and the thoughts that I've had as well is, well, I've been friends with this person for such a long time. You know, I can't just ditch them. And you're right in a sense. You can't just totally dump a friend who's been there for you, who's been a good friend for most of your life. But what's stopping you from easing back a little bit? What's stopping you from hanging out with them three times a week to only once? Or texting them every night to texting them two or three days a week? You don't necessarily have to cut these negative people out just because they're negative. What I would just recommend is just if you can, dial it back. You know, if you have an extremely negative sibling, there's no use in cutting them out of your life because that's blood and that's family. But maybe you don't have to spend as much time with them. Maybe if you've tried helping them and tried turning them into a more positive person and it's just not working, maybe you just got to dial it back. So your sole focus right now should be to evaluate your inner circle. You know, what are these people doing for you in your life? Are they pushing you closer to where you want to be? Not only career-wise, but also just emotional-wise into the person that you want to become. Or are they hurting you? Are they forcing you to spend your time in a way that's damaging your progress? Are they forcing you to do a certain thing or feel a certain way when you know without them you would be in such a better place? Make it your sole purpose to connect with positive people, to include people like that in your life. And if you do, over time, I promise you're going to see some awesome, awesome changes. So those are the seven things that are emotional drainers in your life. Those are some things of what you can do with them. I have a few general boosters that I want to speak about that are pretty, you know, they help across the board. They're not attributed to only one of these emotional drainers. So the first general booster is you got to start writing stuff down. You know, your emotions are such a powerful thing, but if you keep them in your head, they're going to stay up there. But when you take the time to write things down and to journal and to think and put those thoughts on paper, that's where you see a lot of these benefits. There's something called the Bridget Jones effect, which was named by columnists or something. So it's not an official name. But basically, researchers found that writing feelings on paper reduces activity in the amygdala, which is responsible for controlling the intensity of emotions. So when you start to write things down, your emotions are going to not be as powerful. If you have this intense sense of grief, or if you have this intense sense of worry, taking 5 to 20 minutes to just write down your thoughts and get it on paper can reduce those feelings, can make them a lot better. 
So if you do find that you have a situation that you're dealing with and you're stressing out a lot about and it's draining your emotional energy, just take some time to write it down. Get it out of your head. The second general booster I can offer you is to meditate or pray. You know, your ability to improve your mindfulness is going to help so much with your emotional energy. It's going to help you stay in the present more. It's going to help you worry less. It's going to help you be able to even control your emotions a lot more. And you're going to feel a lot better and you're going to feel like you're able to conquer a lot more. The third general booster I can offer is to speak with someone. You know, if you're in a situation where these emotions are just draining you and you've tried journaling and they're just overpowering your life and you self-evaluate, you look yourself in the mirror and you say, you know, I'm just such a negative person and I need help. That's when it's time to go speak with someone. You know, you can make the decision to confide in a really close friend or you can make the bold decision and go out there and get therapy. I think there's a stigma out there about therapy that, you know, really prevents a lot of people from seeking help. Personally, for me, in early high school, I went to therapy. I decided that I wanted to go to therapy for an anxiety issue that I was having. And at the time, I wasn't excited about it. You know, my main thought was, I don't want to put in any work to this. I just want to stop having this anxiety. So I went to the therapist. I wasn't really comfortable. You know, I wasn't sharing. I wasn't exploring my emotions. I was kind of like a wall. That was, you know, I had this idea that if I go to therapy, therapist is going to give me this quick fix and it's going to be awesome. But therapy takes work. And if you do decide to go and you do decide that's something that can help, You know, being able to talk it out with a professional is a great way to deal with negative emotions. And then the fourth and final recommendation that I can give is go do something for someone else. When we bring positivity to other people, not only does it affect them, but it also has an amazing effect on us. You know, being able to look at a human and see that we made a difference in their life really has the ability to just brighten your day. Seeing a smile on someone's face can put a smile on yours. And I'm not saying you have to go out there and volunteer at a soup kitchen for hours on end every single day. You know, sometimes all it takes is just a simple compliment. Tell someone they look nice. Tell someone you like something they're wearing. And you like their smile or something about their physical appearance or even their personality. You know, something about that person that you like. Be genuine. Don't just go out there and walk up to some guy and say, oh, I like your shoes. If you know nothing about shoes and you think they're ugly, do what you can to just bring out that emotional contagion and bring positivity to other people and yourself. Another great exercise in this category is the simple act of just saying, you know, I hope he or she is happy. Just picking someone out in the room and saying that statement can actually improve your own happiness. So if you're sitting at work and you're feeling kind of, you know, drained or you need a little boost, just look at someone and just think to yourself, you know, I really hope he or she is happy. I hope that person is happy. And you might even notice a a little shift in your emotional energy. So try that out. But that, my friends, is emotional energy. That is the seven drains, what to do about it, and then some four general boosters I really hope that helped in some way. If there is an emotional situation that you're going through and it's really draining you, I really encourage you to evaluate, to do something about it. And if you need someone to talk to, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to me. 
I'm not a professional, but I'm sure I can do my best to help. And in any situation, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to another person. With all that being said, I want to do the question of the day. Today's question is going to be, what is your favorite restaurant? Where do you like to go eat? Personally, I'm sure a lot of people who know me already know this answer, but I am a huge Chipotle fan. The fact that all their stuff is pretty healthy, pretty ethically sourced, and it tastes great is just a bonus. So hit me up with your answers. I'd love to hear them. If you want to see anything from the show today, all you have to do is go to earlyrisersmovement.com slash podcast slash 13, and you can see all the links and everything there. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Keep killing it, and I will talk to you next time. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. As always, feel free to reach out at any point with any comments, any questions, or pretty much anything else that you'd like. If you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on our website, earlyrisersmovement.com, or hit me up on Instagram, at earlyrisersmovement. And if you enjoyed the show, it would mean the absolute world to me if you could subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes. With that being said, I hope you're one step closer to becoming an early riser, and I will talk to you next time. Keep killing it, everyone.